0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Coming up, the secret story of Graham Kennedy's infamous crow call you most likely haven't heard. Big changes in Ten's executive ranks as the business starts the big transition to streaming. And you asked for it, so we've crunched the breakfast TV numbers to find out if today's new lineup is working. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Blackbox.
2: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
3: This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
1: Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. A big welcome to you. TV presenter David Robinson is in the house tonight. Hello, Robbo.
3: Hello there, Rob. Great to be with you to talk about all things television. Is there a future? We'll find out later.
1: <laughs> oh, there's a lot of that coming up today. Uh, TV black box contributor Abby Mickelson is with us hello Abby.
2: Hello Rob and I'm recording on the land of the Gadigal people today and I would just like to acknowledge them and pay my respects to them.
1: And the viewer's advocate Steve Mulk is with us. Hello Rob hello everyone I'm recording on the land of the dark and young people
4: and hello to all of them also.
1: Alrighty, let's get into a bit of breaking news as we go to record the podcast tonight because it wasn't good news for the national broadcaster today with the ABC website down for about an hour. The outage affected all sites, including radio, TV, news and iview. A statement issued during the outage read, the ABC is aware of an issue impacting our websites and apps. We apologise for any inconvenience and are working to return our services to normal as soon as possible. For more on this... We're joined by technology expert Jeff Quatramani. Welcome to TV Black Box. G'day team, thanks for having me. Mate, this is a big one. How big a deal is it for the national broadcaster's website to go down?
5: I mean, first of all, somebody noticing is a big deal, but I think the biggest <laughs> reality here is that it shouldn't happen. This should not happen, especially on a Monday night when people are trying to get their news and things like that. Mm. It's a bit of a problem. But 5.30 is probably knockoff time for a lot of people. So maybe in the office, it wouldn't have been noticed that quickly.
1: Ah, now that's interesting. Now, what was the issue related to? Because Kevin Perry reported on the TV Blackbox website, it was about the DNS records. I don't know what that means.
5: Yeah, so effectively, it looked like from a DNS registry point of view, the ABC had gone gone dark. And what that really means is that where you live has an address and we need to know where that is. You need to register that when I type in abc.net.au, it knows where to go and it knows who to look for. And if abc.net.au doesn't exist anymore, you type that address in and you just get nothing. And that's effectively what happened for a few hours.
3: Jeff, what are your thoughts on uh, an idea that I've just come up with, that it's uh, possibly News Corp or Sky News doing it?
5: (laughs) (laughs) If it was, they would have gone and registered (laughs) 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 You (laughs) themselves.
3: That's very true.
1: All right, so Jeff. What was it? How did it happen? Because as soon as I saw it, I thought, hackers, we saw this happen with Channel 9. Now, it doesn't appear to be that scenario. Some people are saying they didn't pay their domain bill. Look, it could have been that. That's definitely a reality that it could have been. Hang on. Are you telling me that this could have been because the ABC didn't pay their bill?
5: there is a chance. I would never say that that's exactly it because there could just be that there was a DNS outage and that does happen from time to time, depending on who they're registered with. However, there is that chance that like every web address, it does expire and someone, the IT admin would have received a little letter in the mail that says your domain is up for renewal. Mm. If you ignore that, you do lose it. So it could have happened.
4: Jeff. Steve Molt, TV Black Box. Uh, Jeff, are you saying that by extension, therefore, that the ABC need more money, uh, greater funding input
5: to make sure that they can pay their DNS bill? How do you how do you do an audible eye roll? There is no way that they certainly need more money to do something wow. like that. <laughs> I
1: and mean, you can it, find it Jeff is... on the
5: 730 report tomorrow
1: night. <laughs> yeah. uh, technology. Um, so Jeff, let's just say they didn't pay their bill, the site's gone offline. Could ca- someone have come in and bought that domain?
5: There is that risk. There is that risk that it could have happened. It would have probably been short-lived because you can usually dispute those kinds of purchases. But yeah, the reality is abc.net.au isn't necessarily something that people wouldn't have known about when it was down there was a chance that it could have been up for sale but that soon is unlikely but so Jeff,
3: can, I, can I ask something for you so obviously the ABC massive brand and you're saying that we uh, you know they need to keep on top of it and everything expires so is that for every single brand because I think there's an idea that you know uh warnerbrothers.com just is owned by Warner Brothers forever or au is owned by seven but that's not the case
5: And it's happened before. There's been instances, I think it was Pepsi in in the past, who forgot to renew theirs. And I think they had pornography or something like that come up at Pepsi.com the day after they forgot to renew it. So it has happened in the past. Again, it's usually short-lived because the, the registry usually gives it back to the original owner. But, yeah, it could have happened. I think ABC acted quickly. They hadn't all gotten down to... Local cafe for a mm. vanilla. Oh, Jeff! Latte. Now, Jeff, <laughs> just quickly, just quickly, like Jeff.
3: You, you're speaking a lot of jargon here. Lots of kind of technical words. Uh, there was a word that you used before. It wasn't pe- pornography. What, what What does that mean? Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeff,
1: final question. Shouldn't there be a number of redundancies to stop the national broadcaster, oh which God. does do a vital service? Now the guy from you know, 4BC
3: wants to have redundancies at the ABC. He wants people sacked. Oh, he goodness. wants more money for the ABC. Oh That's what he wants. God, D- they never different stopped. kind
1: of redundancy, oh, Robbo. Different sorry, kind sorry, of redundancy. Sorry, 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 um, sorry, But shouldn't there be redundancies in place that means this should never be able to happen or can you just never guarantee that not happening? If it wasn't a pay-the-bill issue... If it was a technical issue, should that be able to happen?
5: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, technical glitches happen. Facebook goes down. Other big websites go down. This happens a lot. But we just don't expect it to be the case in with the ABC. I think people just have this expectation it will always work. If it was that issue that we're talking about, that someone just didn't pay the bill, there may be a redundancy tomorrow. But I, I don't i don't really think that's going to be the case. I think they usually give second or third chances.
1: People don't lose their jobs at the ABC. It's a job for life.
5: Wow.
4: And well done to the IT intern who accidentally rebooted the DNS server.
1: Congratulations <laughs> to them. Jeff Quatramani, thank you very much. We look forward to your insights on radio stations across Australia. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, moving on, and Channel 10 is undergoing another restructure with the American-owned network laying off some key executives. Liz Baldwin, who was senior vice president and head of streaming, is gone, along with a team of streaming employees. Frank Velosi, vice president of operations and general manager of 10's Adelaide headquarters, has also been let go. He'd been with the company for 37 years. Vice president of marketing, Gene Jenkins, was also among the executives to lose their jobs. It comes as presenter Natasha Exelby confirmed she would also be leaving the network. As the US-owned network looks to its future, Chief Content Officer Beverly McGarvey will expand her role to become head of Paramount Plus in Australia. Chief Operating and Commercial Officer Jared Villani will take on bigger roles in a globalising of operations. Mop, a sign of the times? Look, it's never good news when we hear about, you know,
4: staff shrinking, firings, redundancies, whatever it is in any of the, the TV quarters in Australia, we, we're we not that big an industry that really can survive. And for, for wow, for poor old 10, they've had more than their fair share of people getting nudged out the door over the past three to five. Um, in a way that, I mean, we talked last time about how they were probably on their bare bones then, um, you know, that this was cutting into meat. I think we're, we're getting a bit tighter. It's, it's, it's a difficult transition for them all. For the ones that remain and the ones that leave.
1: What I'm interested is when we finally learn out the profit loss of 10 at the moment. In the last reporting that they had, which I think was financial year ending 21, Mm. they were shy. It was something like $3.5 million in the red. So it wasn't far behind they're they're putting out the story at the moment that they're in profit and hopefully Mm. that's true but obviously it is about profiting and getting into a good position paramount plus are not playing games the global company of paramount is not playing games anymore they want success and there's no doubt where 10 is on the free-to-wear spectrum they've got to be looking towards the streaming future don't they and, and as I think every commercial
4: free to air network should be. And, and for, as we've talked about before, nine have Stan, 10 have Paramount Plus, and seven don't yet have a connection in that that area. It's, it's really important because we're seeing more and more and more just how important that streaming mechanism as a part of your entire suite of offering comes into play and, and what that then means for your bottom line. There's no question that, that Paramount, um, you know, Channel 10's owners... Uh, are keen to see the company grow to be or continue to grow its profit base. Uh, and I think if you're going to take that seriously, it has to be, has to be a streaming play very seriously.
1: And I think moving Beverly McGarvey into this field, which I felt was slowly happening anyway, mm. shows that 10 is really focused on Paramount Plus being a success or or Paramount yes. globally, the US Masters, are, Uh, very interested in that. The chief content officer of 10 is now also in charge of Paramount Plus. That shows you the scope of how important they see it. Uh,
4: Absolutely. Look, it it was really interesting. Tim Burrows, in his uh, unmade um, uh, newsletter that he puts out every weekday, fabulous, um, put, put the case as to why 10 has to keep existing. So it wasn't even a a conversation about, do we get rid of us? Why is 10 important? And he had some great conversation with some key creatives and owners of of agencies that do a lot of buying, ad buying on the commercial networks. And the the main theme that came through from those buyers was that effectively we need 10 to keep 7 and 9 honest. Mm. So while they are uh, performing I'm going to be, this is probably not super generous, but go with me. While they're performing even air quotes as well as they have been, it's still an important ad buy because they hit a segment of the market that isn't being captured by nine and seven, yeah. uh, not a huge one, but it's, it's has be- being captured by them. And that in doing so, it means that their ad rates have a direct impact into just how crazy seven and nine think they can get because 10 are still a player, mm. even though they might land, Overall, in fourth in a year or a few years or whatever that looks like, they are still a competitive commercial network and getting business brought in, uh, which makes them – adds to their bottom line.
1: Which makes perfect sense. And when we talk about 10, they've had some issues, but Australian Survivor has shown that it can – 10 can be a player. The fact that it's been beating Idol is phenomenal. But Mm. we will talk a little later in the podcast. Some big heavy hitters in Hollywood have given their verdict on where they think TV will be in three years' time and we will – talk about that and react to that a little later in the podcast. And it isn't Channel 10 the only company making big changes. Disney has announced 7,000 employees will be laid off. Bob Iger dropped the news three months after returning as CEO. The cuts represent an estimated 3.6% of Disney's global workforce in an effort to save $5.5 billion in costs. In the first quarter of 23, the number of global Disney Plus subscribers dropped for the first time since it launched in November 2019. That number now sits at 161.8 million. That's a decline of 2.4 million compared with the previous quarter. Abby, are you getting more selective when choosing your streaming services because there are so many options now?
2: Yeah, I, I probably choose mine a little differently than most people. I just jump in and out depending on what show I want to watch. So I don't tend to stick to a streamer and search that for something to watch. I have a list of shows I want to watch in order of when I want to watch them. And I will just look up what streamer they're on and I'll pay for it for that month so I can watch that show and then cancel it and move on to the next one. I don't, so I'm not really picking it based on library. I do have some that I like to avoid if possible because I don't love the user experience on it. But for the most part, I just jump in and out where there's something I want to watch. Can you give
1: me an example?
2: Uh, binge. I try not to watch things on Binge only because there's just a few things. Like I watch everything because with of subtitles. Because the
1: user experience.
2: Yeah. I watch everything with subtitles. Oh, and Binge's binge awesome. subtitles, yeah, if oh, you hover yeah. your mouse and like the little player bar at the bottom pops up, the subtitles are underneath that and you can't read them. Also, if you use the arrow keys to skip back and forth, it stays up and you have to refresh the whole page. It is a nightmare. Mm. And so I tend to avoid binge. Um, but, like, if there's a show I really want to watch that's on binge, I'll watch it. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I just jump around for whatever I want to watch.
1: I find that fascinating. And, Robo, I think Abby is like a lot of users now. I think a lot of companies used to rely on, Um, subscribers to whatever service it was, streaming otherwise, of being a set and forget scenario where the Mm -hmm. credit card gets debited every month. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that has changed and people Mm. are actually being more proactive in cancelling services, jumping to another one, then coming back. It's not a set and forget anymore.
3: I agree 100% with uh, with, with both you and Abby. I've done this uh, since the beginning. So Netflix was actually one where you just got it and you loved it yep. and it was just streaming and, oh, my goodness. Now, I, I think I first got Netflix maybe in 2016, I, I think is when I first got it. Um, I, I'm exactly the same as Abby. So I go in and out of Apple TV to watch certain shows. Um, yeah. I absolutely go in and out of Binge. Binge is actually quite expensive for the library that it mm-hmm. has, in my opinion. I think the 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 subscription uh, amount is a bit silly, um, but I will go in and out um, of that. I, I, yeah, look, I think that these redundancies are going to be the same as uh, any kind of broadcast television, and especially stuff that we've seen here in Australia. Um, you get rid of it to make the books look good at this point, but then you realise oh, bloody hell, probably some of those 7,000 people actually did uh, bloody work that we bloody well, bloody needed. Uh, Somebody paid for
4: the domain names. That was their job to pay for the domain
2: names.
3: (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that all of those people would come back, but I I, honestly, I think we'll be here in six months and we'll be talking about, oh, Disney is uh, recruiting 3,000 people, you know, whatever, right? Um, It it happens all the time. There's a great story from Channel 10 in Brisbane where it was a particularly... Bloody night! Uh, I think in the early nineties, um, where people were slashed and burned. However, uh, that was on the Friday afternoon. On the Monday morning, you don't
1: mean you don't mean Game of Thrones style. You just mean
3: made redundant. Well, it's television, <laughs> Rob. Australian television. You don't know. It's <laughs> painting a um, picture. The car park yes. was uh, emptying on Friday. Uh, it was back on Monday with lots of freelancers, which weirdly still had security passes so you know what I mean like that my point is <laughs> it, it it comes and goes it's ebbs and flows obviously Bob Iger's got a mm-hmm. lot to prove now because he's been brought back he's the man that like well you know the mouse house is saying Spot make this work on. well I'm going to slash all of this but don't worry about it wink wink nudge nudge Ha-ha! that's my Mickey Mouse impression uh we'll get people back in the house in just a moment
4: I think you're spot on, Robbo. This is absolutely Iger in his return to the CEO role, proving to the board and shareholders that he is going to make things better. And the quickest way to make things better is improve the bottom line. And how do you do that? Well, unfortunately, a whole bunch of people lose their jobs. Now, it doesn't sound like much when you talk about it in a percentage of the workforce. But as you pointed out, um, Rob, right off the top, the number of people that are being made redundant losing their jobs... Is pretty significant that's going to ruin a whole bunch of people's lives for a period of time or they'll just have to work out how they bounce it's a tough gig and look if we if we zero it in on australia which i know we we often try and do um 10 10 years ago i was talking to someone today 10 years ago we had exactly zero streaming services and now in australia Mm. available to us i think we have upwards of 15 uh And of those mm. of those fifteen, there's probably six or seven that you would go they're important enough to consider on a month-to-month so how
3: basis. how the hell can binge think that they can charge what is twenty dollars a minute to watch their <laughs> bloody streaming service? Because well, they've got the
1: content and get you across H-B-O. the line. But oh. I think the big message oh, yes. the okay. big message for them tonight is get the user interface up to scratch. Oh, please. Spend some research development on it because users like Abby if they don't want the content, they're not staying on board because yeah, they don't like the user experience. We right. need to be well, a
3: bit more sensitive about the the the, the people behind it. I, I do believe it's a startup. I, let me just check my News Corp. <laughs> it's just a startup. They've got they no idea, the idea, idea how to do gallery. entertainment. They've got no idea. So just give them a chance, guys.
1: Yeah, okay. well, News Corp's making big cuts to their workforce as well, and. Maybe the person who designs the subtitles will not be there to fix it. Yeah. That's only so that. Oh, Rupert I don't want to get anyone fired.
2: Jesus.
1: No, you're not. I'm saying that they're that they're reducing their working stuff. I'm you know, with you, Abby. The
4: subtitles are a critical thing for us in our house as well. We use them on
1: everything. Right. Well, while Disney made big news over those layoffs, part of their announcement included news they would be making sequels for Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia. That news came as John Cleese announced a new series of Faulty Towers is being produced. He's writing that with his daughter, Camilla. And reboots are the order of the day with a prequel to Dexter announced. Robbo, when it's getting harder to stand out in the crowd, can you understand why executives are bringing back shows that we've
3: loved? Well, it's the big F word, isn't it, that everyone wants to use in streaming and that's franchise. So if you yes. can make something work and and bleed it for all it's worth. I still remember um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler uh, at one of the Golden Globes saying, if something works in Hollywood, it will be done to death. Um, <laughs> I, I've got to say to you, I'm not up with the sequels, but I do believe, isn't there a Frozen 2, Frozen 3... Isn't there already? But we're talking, I think, not straight to video. We're talking to straight to... There's been to frozen,
1: and frozen and a second Frozen movie.
3: Mm. Um, we haven't I, had number three yet. It's probably best we leave that one in the freezer because we've probably milked that for all it's worth. No. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Actually, uh, they
1: did a good... And this is the problem. They do good jobs with them. But a lot of the do. TV reboots have not been great because mm. they haven't focused on what made those shows work. I'm really intrigued to see what John Cleese does with Faulty Towers. But also, I think lightning he's in out a bottle. to prove a
3: point. Isn't it Lightning Yeah, in but bottle, he's though.
1: out to prove a point about political correctness in 2023. Well,
3: whoever takes him on, if he's trying to say that, you know, you, you don't need to be politically correct, you can still have comedy and whatnot, it'll be up to the streamer. Uh, do we know, though, who the streamer will be for. for no. This?
1: So, what? here's what I'm gathering from everything that I've been able to get across. He and I think it's Castle Rock have oh. done a production deal. So they're building it and then going to sell it. Cleese has said he won't sell it to the BBC because they put warnings oh, yeah. on the old Faulty Towers episodes and, and Monty Python He's and he so doesn't arrogant. like that. And, well, he can be arrogant. There's a lot of interest in... He made 12 episodes of Faulty Towers. No one ever thought this show would come back. It's coming back... Oh God, what was the last one? 76 or something? They made the second series. But if if you're coming
2: back to prove a point, it's probably not gonna be very good. If your whole point Uh, is I'm gonna prove that I can be offensive, then it's just probably not gonna be very funny. It's just gonna be cheap offensive. I I don't
1: think he's saying he wants to be offensive. I think he's Uh, saying that he wants to do all he's talked about. He's got a creative urge. And yes, he he doesn't like the way comedy is being made to be politically correct and very bland. And so, so the I'm antithesis intrigued. of that is? Well, maybe it's outrageous. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't been sure. created. But I'm intrigued to see what he does with it on a couple of levels. Has he got the lightning in a bottle that you spoke about? Uh, creatively, does it work? Uh, comedy-wise, does it work? And is it just good content? And does he get his point across and does it work?
4: Yeah. Rob, as, as someone who really loved the original series of Faulty Towers and, and like just overdosed on it. it really helped form my comedic understanding and those sorts of things. Um I've enjoyed the many interviews and dissections about what made Faulty Towers so important. And in no small part, it was the fact that he, and I can't remember her name now. I'm so horrible for this. Connie. Booth. The, the Thank you. Connie, who played Polly, the, hmm. the servant. It was the, his the... wife
1: who played Polly. Yes. Um, uh,
4: they would sit down and in the first time, the first season, they wrote together out of their, you know, kind of what, let's talk about this idea and their, the joy in their marriage. And then the second season, the acrimonious divorce, yet they still had the opportunity to write together mm-hmm. and do that. And I think that that in itself is the lightning in the bottle. It was those two writing out of their experience together and their understanding of each other is what made it work to hear already that. Um, Cleese is intending to have it set in the Caribbean. It's not going to be set in England. It will return Basil Fawlty. It's about Basil Fawlty's relationship with his daughter, as in a character that is his daughter, which is why his uh, real-life daughter, John Cleese's real-life daughter, is going to be writing it with him to bring some of that reality to it. Look, I, I hold some hope. However... All of the other stuff that Cleese is saying about what, what he intends to prove or why he wants to write the kind of stuff or his responses to, you know, the tenor of the day just really gives me pause. I mean, I want it to, I, I honestly, in my bones, want it to be great. And all of this stuff that we've talked about tonight just makes me go, it's not going to be
1: great. Well, we will wait and see. Coming up, the secret story of Graham Kennedy's infamous crow call. And I'm telling you, I don't think you know this story. You think you know, but you don't know. Hollywood's Uh, biggest players give their verdict on what TV will look like in three years. And we'll find out what everyone's been watching in the TV Binge Box.
4: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live.
1: I had a question this week on Twitter regarding breakfast TV ratings. And I know that you all love this when we talk breakfast TV ratings, but today has got a new lineup and Esplanade Frank (laughs) Two. I don't think I'm saying that username, right? But that person sent me a tweet saying, haven't seen any analysis of sunrise versus today. Has the host change led to any ratings changes? Well, here are the headlines. Sunrise is averaging 362,000 nationally versus 257,000 for today in 2023. In the metro markets, Sunrise averages 210,000 metro versus today's 169,000. Now, the margin between the two has increased this year with Sunrise having an extra 41,000 viewers in the metro markets. That's a margin increase of 14,000. So Sunrise is ahead of today by an extra 14,000 viewers in the metro markets. Nationally, Sunrise has grown its margin by
3: 8,000 viewers.
1: Robbo, have you been watching, have you been waking up with today? Have you had a look at the new team? What do you think?
3: Well look you know I love television you know that I love Australian television but uh when it comes to the today show I love watching the weekend today show mm, which I think I've heard that about you yeah wonderful <laughs> like I love
4: the Saturday you know, version you know, of the weekend I today I Show do. Especially. I
3: especially but in more serious I, when TV uh works it works well for everyone and I and, and that's what I like about it um look I I don't wake up with either of them and this will also lend into uh what we talk about uh, a little bit later in the program. But this is good. If, if if they're still fighting it out, they're still making an effort, this is great for TV and I want Australian TV to be to be better for it. But, um, mm. yeah, Weekend Today, though, is the better one. <coughs>
1: uh, Mark, what have you thought about Sarah?
3: <laughs>
4: um, I, th- I think that Sarah is, if I'm going to be polite, w- warming up, and if I'm going to be impolite, defrosting. Um, I, think oh, really? finding, I think that she's finding I think that she is finding her voice in it. And and I wanna in fact even preface these comments by acknowledging a couple of caveats. One, both sunrise and today are down year on year. Two, um when we're doing our ratings conversations, we should only talk Five City Metro because that's the predominant market that we need to care about. And while it's great to talk about the national figures to understand how many people watch things, they're actually two different beasts and it's much, much harder to make an accurate national comparison um and the third part is that we know that absolutely when it comes to things like breakfast television any changes are marathon-esque not sprints and uh, like sarah has been in that chair just over a month like just and it took well it will take anybody to to have the audience to get to know a new cast member a long time uh and in a breakfast television tv context we know that well that's not the only change that today have made recently you know we're seeing a new news reader we're seeing yes. uh, relegation of um old mate damn it alex cullen thank you alex is, ba- is the sports guy now which is not a bad thing
1: and it's great Wh- to see which Brooke- was the way he started off and then they combined those two roles so they yes. separated them out again
4: and it's great to see Brooke get the opportunity to read the news as well as do entertainment and those sorts of things. So that's that's a change that everyone has to get used to as well, even if they've just been enjoying it and, and those kinds of things. Look, I, I think that having, I want to echo what Robert said, seeing both shows succeed is so important because it provides a profile to so many community groups and, and an opportunity for people to hear and see their stories on the television. And that's great. Um they communicate to us so many important bits of information in bite-sized grabs, and and particularly around school time, people are watching it in and out seven minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes gone. It's rare that anybody is watching it for an extended period of time. And if you do, you start to notice, wow, they're repeating those stories a lot. That's because the nature of the beast is you know repetitive because they're trying to grab each market as it pops in and pops out. They are weird bits of television in that regard because even in the way that we talk about them, ratings only reports from seven to nine o'clock, but they're on air from five thirty to nine,
1: six o'clock till nine. Well, we get so the other splits. It's just the way it's coded, but it's and not the
4: same way as we would look at like a merit at first sight where we get the whole show. It's bits yeah, but of the show. The project
1: show. codes in two halves as well. They all yeah, do it. Bloody too. needs to. Yeah, and, and but also finales will code when the winner announced and oh, that's announces the, yeah. and stuff and I like that. I thoroughly
4: disagree with that, but that I totally I, I totally understand, Look, so do I. I'm all for it. I think that Sarah is finding her feet still and doing a great job as she does that.
1: Indeed. Well, some Hollywood heavyweights have been asked to share their predictions on what TV will look like in three years. CNBC spoke with more than a dozen leaders who have been among the most influential decision makers and thinkers in the TV industry over the past two decades. This is a sample of what some of them think will happen. Peter Cheren from the North Road Company CEO, he says it will continue to be in decline. It will be crappier. Budgets will get cut. More scripted programming will migrate away to streaming. There will be more repeats, but it will continue to exist. Kevin Mayer from Candle Media, he's the co-CEO, it only has a few years left, it's nearing the end. For entertainment that has no need to be viewed at any specific time, that's already done. It's already largely shifted to streaming. Barry Diller, the IAC chairman, says it's dying, but while syndication is around, that's very American with the syndication rights for cable channels. But while syndication is around, even if it's diminished, it will still be here. The tail end of these things lasts much longer than anyone predicts. I think that's an important part for everyone to take note of. Anne Sano, former Warner Brothers chairwoman and CEO, the linear bundle will definitely be around in three years, but the number of subscribers will continue to decline and the average age of the viewers will continue to increase steadily. Bill Simmons, the Ringer founder, three years feels way too short to me. I think it's going to play out like it has with terrestrial radio and digital audio. Five years ago, you could have said radio would absolutely be dead soon and no one would have challenged you but it's still limping along even with much heavier competition from podcasts streaming TikTok, and everyone else jeff zucker the former cnn president says it will continue to exist obviously it will have fewer subs than it does today news and sport will keep it alive bella bajara netflix chief content officer says since i started in the business in 1996 people have always talked about linear tv dying Definitely the pie will be smaller in three years, but there are so many people who watch linear TV, especially sports and news. It will be smaller, but not gone. And Kathleen Finch, the Warner Brothers Discovery U.S. Network's Chief Content Officer, says, Linear TV will absolutely still be here. When you look at the size and scope of Linear TV business, it's huge. People still like to sit down as a group in front of the TV. It's very communal and advertisers love it. Whether they're selling a new movie coming out or launching a car sale, the Linear TV business will be healthy for a long time. And I just will remind you, that was the Warner Brothers, Discovery, US Networks, Chief Content Officer. So I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that did sound like a bit of Context. PR skin. <laughs> yeah. Now this this is some of the brightest people who've ever worked in Hollywood, Abby, and I think they've got a point. I remember when Foxtel first came in, people said free to air TV was dead, and it wasn't dead. Mm. People said it from streaming. They gave TV five years these legacy companies don't die overnight and we're already seeing the way the networks are transitioning to a digital future aren't we
2: yeah i i do think it's dying but i agree it will not be dead within three years and like three years if you think about it is like when covid started like that goes like that it's super quick mm, yeah. i don't think yeah i don't, I don't think, even think it'll come close to years. dying No, no. But I also don't necessarily agree with what a lot of them said throughout the article was that it'll be slowly declining, but news and sport will keep it alive for a long, 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 long time. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there is a place for news and sport on streaming services. We already see that with Stan Sport here. That's what my family watch as their sport, just because the type of sport Mm. that they want to watch is on Stan Sport. And I think as that gets more and more common, then people will turn to streaming for sport the same way they turn to -to free-to-air for um, for sport.
1: Well, they still Um, have to buy those sports. And if you look at Stan, mm. it's going to have the Olympics, which plays into what you're saying. And when I spoke to Mike Sneesby about the Olympics, which is probably something we should have covered tonight, but a big announcement from Nine that includes digital services like Stan and Nine Mm. Now, that we're going to be able to watch it in a much bigger and better way, and he was so happy about the possibilities of what he could do with Stan. I don't think they've drilled it down to this point, but it did Mm -hmm. seem like they're going to offer a lot more options than possibly what we've had in the past.
2: Yeah, and I think even with news, Rob, like when you had your idea for a streaming service a couple of years ago, you had like a linear news um, component of that as an option as well and i think yeah. streaming services will definitely start doing that and i think as that starts to happen tv free to air tv as the way as we know it becomes less and less useful to people
1: maybe live plus will become a thing abby mickelson uh, i'm waiting for your phone calls
2: Ahead uh, of the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think of all that did you agree disagree with the overall commentary
3: I think what we've talked about before is those that have a vested interest in li- linear television uh, are saying that it's not dead. Hmm. You know what? I, I often think about, we did this a long time ago, 40 Years of Australian Television. It was a documentary we watched and that was when 7, nine, ten, the ABC, that they were powerhouse productions, you know, sorry, they were powerhouses of content f- for Australia um, yep. They are a long way from what we have now, That what is Channel 7, what is Channel 9, what is Channel 10. Um, obviously, times change. I, I, look, you know, I, I honestly think it's sad. You know, we, we don't have a lot of stuff that people really watch. Obviously, we've got maths, we've got Survivor, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, Australian Idol. It's, it's, television is not what it used to be. So what will television be? In the future, you know, news is a big tentpole, uh, especially for seven and nine. I, I, I can't help but always feel a little sad about what Aussie TV is, but it it's had its day, um, and I adore this medium. So never get me. But wrong, when you I-
1: say it's had its day, do you just mean the way we used to consume television, or mm. is it just changing? You know, is it growing up becoming an online service?
3: yeah so I, i've I've also had a, an opinion on this for a long time, is that I could just see seven, nine, and ten sitting on a you know veranda in the middle of the outback and seeing a big sandstorm coming. and they knew what the sandstorm was, and that was streaming, that was on demand, all of that kind of thing. The ABC was the only one that was off the veranda. And actually, in the back shed, making a streaming service. Um, Seven out of ten have come to the the party. Easier a to lot. do that when
1: you've got government money.
3: No, in, no, incorrect. Because when yes, it is. That, no, when that started, though, they had a lot of commercial money, and they did not invest. That's my point with that. They didn't invest. There was, I think, there was a certain arrogance from commercial networks to go, "Well, people always turn to us," and they didn't. And they're playing catch up ever since, trying to get their online uh, service up to scratch. Now, even even a couple of years ago, iView was still the better user experience. Abby has been talking about um, Binge being not a good user experience. Well, 10Play you know, was a terrible user experience. 7 Plus is a mm. terrible user experience. And 9 Now is only just kind of coming into its own, but they have not invested at all because they all sat there arrogantly thinking, oh, well, we'll still be around forever. I think they're playing catch-up and they will always play catch-up now and I think that's really sad. Uh, yes, um, audiences are a different. Um, a really quick story. Um, when I was younger, like in my high school years, I had a five-hour Butte TV tape. That's what I labelled it because I like branding. And I would nice. r- record all of my shows. We're, we're talking, uh, I think, The, uh, the X-Files. Uh, Home Improvement, Seven News would all be on this thing, and then I would watch <laughs> it back TV. at the end of the uh, at the end of the week because I will decide when I watch my TV shows. Um, and, and I think that's the big thing. I, I I think they're late to the the party, and they're still playing catch up, and they're still not doing a good job doing it.
4: Yeah, look, uh, there's a lot. Like, that whole article is a
1: lot. Yeah. And we and, will and
4: include the link to
1: the article in the show notes. Yeah, that'll, that'll be
4: really helpful. And and I absolutely agree with you that we need to take into account the context and the, the bias that different people who responded come from. Like, mm. you know, the, obviously the people that are backing, you know, linear broadcast television are going to say, oh, that's great. Everything's great. Just don't look close. Um, I, I agree <laughs> I can't recall who it was, but I agree effectively with the person that summarised that it'll have a long tail. Like, I I, I I can't predict when free-to-air television will die. That's that's a tough one because it will hang on with its fingernails what to the very end. Mm. Uh, we also have to put into a little bit of context that this is a great conversation with uh, American executives and American media people who who have a market of 330 million people that have basic cable, free-to-air television, premium cable, plus streaming. So they've got an even bigger, greater, weirder mix and TV culture to us. Whereas down here, little old Australia, 27 million people. Um, And of that, the TV audience is roughly somewhere between 10 to 12 to 15 million of us. Um, So straight away, we're nearly half what our total people is that watch television. And then all we have is free-to-air television. Let's call it pay TV, subscription television in Foxtel, one player, and all of the streaming services under the sun. So the competition down here is felt far more acutely because instead of an America where they can have anything and whatever, and here's all of our bits and syndication and basic cable and stuff, here it is 7, 9, and 10, ABC, SBS, Foxtel, and every streamer ever. So that's that makes it super tough for the market down here, to try and capture those eyeballs and do it in a way that adds to the longevity of it. Now, absolutely, TV, live sport and reality are going to keep free-to-air linear broadcast, particularly commercial TV running for some time. Will it be as profitable? No. Will will that whole audience decline and move towards a streaming service or a streaming-based entertainment consumption? Absolutely. And critical to all of this is going to be what the outcome of any changes that might be in the air around the anti-siphoning list that gets sorted out next month, if I recall correctly. Abby, what do you reckon?
2: Well, something that just popped up into my head, and I would like to know everyone's thoughts on it. Do you think we could see a resurgence of TV in the same way that, like, vinyls are now outselling CDs and Mm -hmm. they were almost dead at one point? They're now outselling CDs... Artists are now selling cassette tapes again. Do we think that in the way that a lot of things in our society are cyclical that TV could come back?
1: I think the problem with that is the appetite for content on demand. Mm. That's, That's the big one. That television is facing the issue with. For over 60 years, we've been served up content when the television networks wanted to serve it up and we just had to take it. We now live in a world Mm. where we can pretty much watch anything when we want.
4: However, Rob, I think that Robbo hit the nail on the head and that is that with the invention of the VCR and it landing into literally millions of homes, it started that transformation about watching what I want when I want. It started then. And the, the caveat was, well, the only way you get it is if you tape it off our televisions, you knob. So you know that became that limitation. As soon as things like the internet started to say, well, whatever. And I totally hear, Abby, that, you know, vinyls outselling. It, there's a nostalgia hook in that, absolutely. What it absolutely screams to me is just how few CDs are being sold now. Like <laughs> yeah. the reality is that, the majority of our music content is streamed because that's just convenient and cheap and affordable and all of the reasons why we do it, independent of what the model looks like for the artist. That's a whole other thing that we need to solve, um, which is why they've gone back to making their own cassettes and doing those their own mm. kind of delivery mechanisms to try and get some real cash out of that. We will see the same for content makers that deliver content to our streamers or our commercial free-to-wear people even our non-commercial free to wear people in a similar kind of fashion I think
1: anyway we I think we've said everything that needs to be said on this one because I have got to tell you so this morning I interviewed Janet Fielding now she what is for? a Brisbane actress for a, an episode of TV Black Box that'll go out later this week oh sorry I thought it was Ooh. for
2: 4BC afternoons <laughs> <laughs> 4BC. <laughs>
1: You mean the That's only right.
4: commercial
2: uh talkback station? So in before
1: Micah did the four B C interview, I did the TV Black box wow, interview. Wow, there we have it. Right. Two for
4: the price so of one. Thank you.
1: Here is the thing. She's a Brisbane actress who went on to act in Doctor Who in the 80s. She played Tegan Javanka. Mm-hmm. She just came back for the latest for Jodie Whittaker's last episode of Doctor Who reprising the role. And what people don't know. Is that she worked on the classification board the night Graham Kennedy no. did the crocall? Wow. She filed <gasps> the report about the crow call. For someone Amazing. who's
2: under fifty, can you please explain to me what the hell you're uh, talking about? Which just
4: Get to sorry, the
1: wait. fucking point. Back off. There was a the night. <laughs> there was a night during Graham Kennedy's
3: uh, I can't in
1: Melbourne to Tonight that. Show where there was an advertorial happening over there Mm. and just near the microphone, he went, fuck. (laughs) He was impersonating a crow. Now, people got so (laughs) incensed, Adelaide pulled the feed and pulled him (gasps) off air. Mm. He got sacked by Channel 9. This was huge because you're looking at me, Abby, like, what's the big deal? This is a world where people didn't say friggin', right? Mm. So the idea that someone is saying fuck okay, is a I wasn't huge sure.
2: Thing. Okay, I just wasn't sure if you had said that word or if you were literally just doing the voice of a crow. So that's why I was confused, but now it makes right. sense. Right. He was try, He was Continue. saying fuck yeah, as a crow. As a crow. gotcha Now,
1: I did speak to Janet Fielding about that. That interview, seriously, you want to hear about that later this week on the TV block. Black Box podcast feed. She's coming out to Australia for a series of shows thanks to the Sirens of Audio podcast. You can search that, get your tickets early before I drop that episode. But I put a call out on Twitter today asking if anyone knew where the footage of Graham Kennedy doing that
2: was. Yeah, I want to see it now.
1: Yeah, because I couldn't find it. It's nowhere, isn't it? But here's the thing. I've seen it, Mulk. So have I. It was in a Graham Kennedy or? retrospective special. Yeah, right. Anyway, I put that call out. John Mangos, who worked with Kennedy on ah, Coast to Coast, was a very John good Mangos. friend with him. Loved we love John Mangos. He <laughs> contacted me and said, "Do you want to know the truth about the crow call? Ooh, here we go." And I said. I thought I knew the truth. And he said, oh, Rob, my friend, you don't know anything. So a little earlier today, I got him on the line and we had a chat about the crow call. John Mangus, welcome to TV Black Box.
0: Rob, it's always a delight to speak with you.
1: (laughs) Mate, I was talking about the crow call on Twitter today that I couldn't find it, and now... You contacted me and said there is a story behind it.
0: You are speaking, of course, of Graham Kennedy's famous crow call. Absolutely. And I have it from the horse's mouth. As you well know, and as Australia knows, it was chucked off the air for, uh, for a crow call that sounded remarkably like a word that starts with F, which is almost mandatory in television these days.
1: <laughs> That's certainly true. Now the way I always understood it was that he sort of made this noise all the time underneath other elements of the show but this time the level was up too high and it made it to air.
0: Yeah and I'm going to tell you the truth now we're going to bust one of the great myths and the truth can now finally be revealed because I got it from the horse's mouth. And Robert goes like this great was a huge fan of Johnny Carson in the Mm -hmm. United States and mimicked a lot of his IMT and Graham Kennedy shows on the Johnny Carson show. And as you would well know in your many, many years involved in the industry, trying to do comedy five nights a week and keeping the quality up is very difficult to do. Yep. So Graham found out that Johnny Carson had renegotiated his contract from five nights a week down to three nights a week. (laughs) Graham was in a watertight contract with channel nine because he was making so much money for the network that when he went to the bosses and said, I only want to do three nights a week instead of five, they said, no way, buddy, uh, you are contracted to do five nights a week. So Graham being the cunning person that he could be at times immediately contacted his agent yeah, you're laughing already. You know where this is going. <laughs> I'm guessing. His agent, <laughs> Harry M Miller, and said, I want to get out of this contract because I don't want to work more than three nights a week so I can keep the, the quality of comedy up. Harry M Miller was a very astute businessman and they called one of two of the best lawyers in the business to find a loophole in the contract. And the loophole in the contract was that if Graham or anybody on the network for that matter were to breach broadcast regulations which of course were much more victorian than and not nearly as liberal as they are now then that that could constitute a suspension from air (laughs) so they immediately concocted this plan that graham would use the f word now graham being the brilliant comedian that he was he wouldn't be nearly so obvious as to just go out the next night and say the word. No. So what would happen over the next week or two? His uh, one of one of the um, advertorial people, a woman called Rosemary Morgan, would do her little segments for Dub Soap or whatever it was. And on the first night, Graham did a sparrow, and she just to distract her, and she said, "What are you doing? So or oh, nothing? Just bird noises." And then the next night was a was an owl. Then the next night was another bird, another bird. So he built up to this. He turned it into a feature of the segment, the bird noises. And then after several nights, of course, the famous, ah, and, of course, he said that, was a crow. Now, everybody did a double take on the first occasion, but they let it slip because it was ambiguous enough. Right. But then he did the crow the next night. And again the next night after getting a slap (laughs) on the wrist. By the time he breached the third time after having got slapped on the wrist, of course, he had now breached the rules of the Australian Broadcasting Tribunal, as it was known in those days. So Nine had no choice but to suspend or, in fact, fire him and tear up the contract, which is what happened. Oh. And to end the story, Graham said, Thank you very much. Took the next six months off, went to uh, to New York and caught all the Broadway shows, which he loved. Came back in the new year, and guess what? Resigned a new contract with Network Nine to work three and only three nights <laughs> a week.
1: <laughs> and, John Mangos, this is what we
0: love about you. You know the truth. Well, in this case, I know the truth about a few other things too. But, um, but this oh. story is, is a beauty because it was so carefully crafted. I mean, how clever of Graham and, and of Harry Miller brilliant. Uh, to get their own way.
1: Just brilliant. And, and Johnny, I mean, it's funny, we and, were know, talking TV, about TV this earlier.
0: are executives are not often outsmarted by the talent.
1: Oh, no. But if it was going to be anyone, it would be Kennedy. We were talking earlier today and I was looking for the crow call online and you were shocked that it's not there. And you and I were talking about the fact we're sure it was in one of those Kennedy specials.
0: Absolutely, Rob. And uh, I've, I've got all those specials and anthologies of his work, and I know I've seen it. But uh, sadly, <laughs> like most people, I've got the DVDs, but I don't have the <laughs> DVD player anymore. But I, I can promise you this. I'll, I'll have a bit of a search, and, and if I can find it, I'll flick it to you f- for your listeners. Uh, but it's definitely around and maybe somebody listening to us now has kept a copy of it uh, because it's definitely around in grainy black and white graham kennedy and rosemary Morgan, and the actual night when they uh when they when the hammer came down
1: well i am desperate to get hold of it as as john said if you've got it send it to us this is a piece of tv history that has to be out there john and i are going to work together and try and find it on his dvd collection john mangos thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight on tv black box
0: It's a pleasure, Rob. Thank you. And yeah, let's try and find it. As you say, it's an important part of Australian television history. And now that the truth is out, we can (laughs) pin the nail to the the tail to the donkey.
1: Seriously, guys,
3: can't you believe that story? This is television law, like everyone knows about the fan. You know, this
1: is.
4: (laughs) Well, they do now, Robbo. Sorry? They do now. Yes, <laughs> yes he have got well
3: He is hoping. Yes, he did get the three day a week deal, but he also wasn't allowed to do live TV for a while, mm. thanks to the governing body. I think he
1: body.
3: lived with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he got his <laughs> Pretty
3: much got deal, over that quick. Couldn't do live, so did it as live, which is amazing. Mm. That's a fantastic story. Because if you watch any clip show of anything, read any books, you always know about the Graham Kennedy crow call. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, nice get, Rob.
1: So John thinks he has got the DVD, as he mentioned. He thinks he's got the Crow Call on one of those DVDs. He's got those retrospective DVDs. But as we said, if you have it, please send it to me because, honestly, it's not online and this is a piece of television history we need to get back out there. So John is going through his DVDs. If anyone has it, please send it to me, rob at tvblackbox.com.au. You all know me on Twitter, rob underscore McKnight. Seriously, I uh, we I need to bring this. back yep. the crow
3: call. Oh, this mm. cannot
1: <laughs> cannot fade into oblivion.
3: No, and good on the John Cooker Mangos. Burras. What a great man! Yes, good on you, John Mangos.
1: Yeah, God love him. All right, let's open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Abby Mickelson, what's been on your radar?
2: Um, I haven't had much time to watch anything consistently, but a couple of just like one offs. So I'll start with the bad one. So I finish on a positive, um, (laughs) last night after watching maths, I love maths. That's not one of my Mm. shows. Um, (laughs) after
3: watching
2: watching maths purely because I couldn't be bothered getting up and turning the TV off. Um, (laughs) I watched the start of 60 minutes. And I have not watched 60 Minutes for many, many years. And I was horrified. Why the hell are mm. they interviewing Ghislaine Maxwell from prison? Why do we Why care what they? Ghislaine... Why do we care yeah. what Glaine I'm not I'm not into this attempt at a redemption arc for Ghislaine Maxwell. I'm not interested.
3: I don't think it's a redemption. I wanna hear from her. That's a good story.
2: Yeah, I to don't, totally I, want to see that story. I have no interest in what that demon has to say. And I just don't, I just, I don't, I don't. There are some people who just not Nobody be given that a I don't
1: like is allowed to speak. That's democracy oh, in the maybe, work generation. Maybe human well, then, Rob, traffickers. Why are we
2: Maybe okay. human traffickers <laughs> are different to people I don't like. She's a convicted human trafficker. Anyway, I just, I think some people shouldn't have a platform and I think she's one of them. Um,
1: oh. Who decides who gets a platform or not? A a pretty
2: pretty
4: fair estimation is if you're in jail for child trafficking.
3: Some of the most most powerful 60 Minutes interviews have been with dictators from around the world where you want to have an insight as to what is happening, where they were. I think that's good journalism. I I think it's not about giving a platform. I think it's about that was a story that continues to dominate headlines as they have done for more than 40 years. I, I don't think it's 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 not a way for them to sell you know a subscription to what they think, but it's good journalism
2: but it what it well, was it was all about how her family is so upset and it's really affected her and oh poor Ghislaine. like i'm just I'm just not interested it's, it's just was it was a as nothing
4: story it was as we've discovered story.
1: tonight there's plenty of other options. What's your positive one <laughs> Abby
2: <laughs> uh, Wow, um, my positive one today was. The Super Bowl. I did not watch the sports component of the Super Bowl, but I did watch the halftime show, which I freaking loved. It Um, was a stinker. No, I loved it. I know there were a lot of, a lot of people who oh, were like... Oh, she went on some raised platforms. Oh, thank you, Rihanna. Really you really going above you and beyond. You do not understand the, like, <laughs> icon that Rihanna is. It was her first live performance in, like, five or six years or something. Now, was
4: not a live performance? Let's step back from that. No, Man, no, no, no. There, no. there is a
2: big difference between <gasps> lip-syncing and backing vocals. No, Massive did. difference. No, backing she, vocals, did any sing? pop artist... Yes, she did. Any she literally th- had points where her mouth was closed and no, the words no, 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 no. were going. Rewatch it. Rewatch it. There are, there I'm not massive, watching that again. There is a massive difference between backing vocals and lip syncing. I lost pop the will artist, to live it was that boring. Any I thought this pop is artist Super Bowl halftime and, and this is the crap you're saying I'm going to talk all through your binge box. Any <laughs> pop artist <laughs> uses backing vocals because of the high production on the song. If Rihanna doesn't use backing vocals and there's only one vocal, the song does not sound how it I sounds. I don't even have a
1: problem with that, Abby. As a performance, it was boring.
2: Well, I disagree. I thought it was amazing. I know a lot of people Sorry, had complaints. Just explain to me what
1: was. I mean, as one component going up in the air on that platform, really interesting. Yeah, the staging but was as, amazing, and as, the, the
2: mix of all the her only, songs.
1: As the only bit of sizzle on that, it got boring very quickly.
2: Well, maybe you don't. You're not a Rihanna fan, and then yeah, it's why nothing would you to
1: do with that? Look at what the weekend did. He took us inside a set and came out and it was, was in all these different places. That was amazing.
2: No, see, I thought The weekend was more boring than Rihanna. Anyway, my point being, I loved it. Wow. And Tough a, to lot Dre. People, a lot of people were complaining that she didn't sing this song and that song, but that's just because she has so many bloody good songs and I love her.
4: Welcome to Reread
1: Truth of Central, friends.
5: <laughs>
2: I didn't hear that.
1: Uh, Robert, what have you been watching? I, I didn't actually understand it. Obviously.
3: Well, I've, I, I've watched for the first time MAFS. Now, this is my problem with it. it. I get that it's entertaining. I think it's great. It's too long. And you know what happens is I'm drowning. I'm drowning in content mm. because it's just yes. too long. So if you miss, say mm. you miss two nights of it, Right. You were then drowning in over four hours of content yeah. you've got to try and make up. So I did this for the first week and I, I, I can't do it. So I'm now kind of relying on um, watching little clips on TikTok. And I just think that the the episodes are far too long and if you mm. miss something, you miss too much and it's too much to get back, you know? I, I think that's... I. That's I, why it, I'm not watching it. I can't commit. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's an absolute cracker. It's a powerhouse, but you can still have a powerhouse that doesn't need to be frigging three hours long every time we've got to bloody watch it. Sneezeby, I know you're listening, um, and obviously Mm -hmm. you care because the ratings aren't frigging amazing, so you're probably not going to cut it down, but I can't watch it, Sneezeby.
1: (laughs) Do you have a second
4: one? No, he doesn't have time. Did you not hear what he said in his first one?
1: (laughs) All right. I I have have been watching Clarkson's Farm and the family. Oh, he can't watch Clarkson's Farm. I can and I will, and I love it. The family loves it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, wait—you talked all over mine. I can talk all over yours. There it is. A raging misogynist. I will not watch anything with that man.
1: Well, you don't have to, and (laughs) let me tell you, Amazon are missing. They're idiots getting rid of him because he said some comments about Meghan Markle. Oh, we're not going to have him on. We've upset Meghan, who had a deal lot. with Netflix. said a lot. He has Amazon, said one, a lot. Not and
5: just
2: this about Meghan. Is Markle. Brilliant
1: television. It's engaging. It's so funny. And you are the losers because you're not having this great content. Idiot door. Anyway, alive. my what? next one is Taskmaster Australia, which I love. Except, dear Channel <sighs> Ten, <sighs> we need to talk. Oh. <laughs> Two changes need to be made to this show. Here we go. We don't need the applause going into a task. It's fake. It's not necessary. They what? can just go to the task and hit play. UK version does it. They don't have that fake applause. It's fine. The second thing is people don't need to have every breath taken out. We don't need a Frankenstein uh, edit yeah, yeah. Yep. on mm. people presenting.
3: Mm. I I know you do
1: it with all your reality shows. I know that's how editors have been trained in this country. Yeah, but it's the worst. But seriously, when a person is presenting, they don't need to have everything cut out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound natural, it sounds fake, and it's off putting. Stop it now. Stop it now. It's not just Taskmaster,
4: there are lots of shows that do that, Rob. Absolutely.
1: It's ridiculous. It's not necessary. How much time are you saving? Ten seconds in the whole show, and it Agreed. sounds
4: like shit. Mm. Yep.
1: Agreed. Mock, what have you been watching?
4: I'm not sure you know what you're talking about, Rob, because <gasps> it's something that we... Uh, sorry, oh, I was just okay, trying it's to pre- funny. Thanks, oh very much. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate your... <laughs> thank you. There we go. Um, I, I just want to echo, I re- reviewed Clarkson's Farm Season 2 on this week's TV Binge Box, I got to see the first three episodes before it landed and, and it just was great. And so on Saturday I watched the final five of the season straight away because I had to because I love the series so much. Um, and I'm conflicted because I don't agree with his statements about Meghan Markle and yet you I love him to. in Clarkson's Farm. I just, it is, for mine it is perfect. Why, why, why do we perfect. have to
1: agree with everything someone says and why can't we just accept he because went too far, he apologised, it was stupid what he said. It's it wasn't just it wasn't content. just
2: stupid. It was very harmful. He has said a lot of very harmful things. It's not just about Meghan Markle. He has a history of very misogynistic comments which have real world consequences. And so if How, people uh, what, can't what, sorry,
1: what are the real world consequences? He lost his
4: job and it affected no, her no, mental I, health. I, I no, I mean him. real
2: world consequences in terms of inciting violence against women. And I so you think Jeremy
1: Clarkson has incited violence against
2: women? I think women. he's contributed to a culture that is very violent against women, yes. It's
4: reinforced that it's okay to say horrible things about women when yeah, you know that. And to have not.
2: horrible attitudes about women, and that has real world consequences. And so it's fine if you want to watch it. I just personally cannot watch something with him in it because that's all I can think about. And Which is yeah.
1: fine. Again, there's a lot of other content out there, Abby. Exactly. You will be proud of me, Abby. I did put a
4: caveat. Um, warning: A content warning on the front of the uh, in front on the front of the review. Was it so warning? That this like
2: guy it, is a dickhead. Hang, hang on, what was
1: your
4: you? You might not like warning. Jeremy Clarkson because reasons. Things.
1: <laughs> What's your problem, Rob? You, you seriously put a content warning on the binge box because you were reviewing Clarkson's farm. Because
4: generally I just jump straight into the, mm. the trailer and let it happen. And I thought up front, if people don't want to engage with this thing about Jeremy Clarkson, they don't have to. I would so appreciate I'm that as a viewer.
2: I would appreciate that. I would go, okay, great. I will skip over this section. Simple. Yeah, it took me Easy. no time
4: to do it. And it I, just allowed people that wanted to avoid it to avoid it.
1: I'm yeah. really at a loss. I... I Okay. What's it's your all going to be okay. More? I just don't have words for that. Well,
4: my first show, because I was just echoing that I also watched it and thought it was great. No.
1: No, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. You've just had five minutes on Clarkson's Farm. No, I have not. Have all I mentioned was not. that
4: I reviewed it and I agreed with you that it was good. My first show <laughs> is that I finished watching, on preview admittedly, Shrinking on Apple whole TV+. You have podcast Plus. for this. But, which is why I'm trying to get through it real quick and you keep interrupting Yeah, us to say, be I've fair, we were the shows. ones who
2: made that one go long.
4: Shrinking. Uh, starring Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, among others, on Apple TV Plus, I finished the season, um, which will finish shortly, like in a couple of weeks' time. Is that
1: about it's a man so who uses good. steroids? No. <laughs> it's so damn
4: good. It looks and, great. I'm very and excited I just to watch want that. to if you are a fan of Ted Lasso, you will love Shrinking. I think it's in the same kind of vein. Importantly it reminds you that, that you need to have people in your life who know you and see you and understand that shit is not easy. Particularly when it comes to some of the hard stuff in our life, I loved shrinking. I thought it was really, really great. My other show, and I will just talk about one episode of it and try to do it as quickly as I can. Sunday night's episode, Sunday night pasts episode of Survivor was a mm. masterclass in how to play that game. everyone was been Mladenov, talking
1: about it. Yeah,
4: George Mladenov, King George, um, showed just how sharp his mind is for that game and how he understands it so well um they his tribe lost the immunity challenge and that was of a you know uh, an hour and 90 sorry 90 minute episode that was 25 minutes the like up to the immunity challenge losing the challenge and then off to tribal council now admittedly in the tribal council they did throw in an individual immunity challenge in the middle of that tribal to surprise everyone it was great The strategy that they went into Tribal Council had to change because the person they were going to vote out won the challenge. And while that was happening, George is going, I'm going to do this. This is how we're going to do it. And he was talking to his his two partners in crime, the Spice Girls. This is what we're (laughs) going to do. Just go with me. Just do this. And he took someone who had a hero moment. I've won the immunity challenge. I'm in the position of power. And turned the whole game on them. It was incredible, and not just the best episode of Survivor Australia. The best episode, I think, of Survivor. Wow! And I've seen every episode of the US season as well. I know there's other franchises.
1: Could I it go and have a look incredible. at this without watching the rest of the series? As
4: long as you understand the nature of the game, that it is yeah. about you know people I, I love filming I just and stuff. Time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Rob. And the the final hour of that episode is all the tribal council, including that immunity, and it is gobsmacking to see it play out because it just the editing is note perfect. You just see every little bit happen. Just as you are going, oh shit, they're doing this. Oh my god, this is happening. It is like nervous giggles everywhere. It's so yeah. so good. You know, you know wow. what
3: though, um, I, I deserve to be called a survivor for staying awake through that entire thing about that bloody show. Boring. Hey, Robbo, I love you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Jesus. All just teasing, just teasing, That just brings teasing, us to the bulky. end of TV
1: Black Box. Now, for those paying attention, yes, we did say we'd all watch The Last Ooh. King of the Cross this week oh, as sorry. part of the group binge, <laughs> but it hasn't been released yet. <laughs> this Friday. Might the gun a little bit early. This Friday. I actually think we should drop the group binge. What? And I want feedback. I will Ooh. watch The Last King of the Cross for next week, if it so be's it, but... I need feedback from our lips. So, I know, I, I said words that didn't. Can actually I say make something
3: really quickly? English. I've been watching the last Queen of the Cross. I've been watching all of Carlotta's old <laughs> stuff. It's been amazing. <laughs> Everyone should watch the last Queen of the Cross. Just there you go. YouTube, you Carlotta.
1: Well done. So well I'd done, really Robo. like some feedback on no. whether people are interested in the group binge. If you are, we'll keep doing it. If not, we won't. Well, that's good, Rob. I've
4: already seen the first episode of Last King of the Cross, and I will now hold my opinion until we can talk about
1: it. Fabulous. Thank you, Mulk. All right, that brings us to the end of TV Blackbox. Thanks for your company. You can find Mulk at TV Bingebox, where he'll review a whole lot of shows and put content warnings for your delicate eyes and ears. Robbo will hopefully be on the Today Show very soon. Abby will keep contributing to TV Blackbox and the podcast, and I'll see you on the radio. We'll see you next week here at TV Blackbox. Bye-bye. Keep smiling and bye for now.
2: <laughs> it did feel like that. <laughs> um, I don't want to drop the group binge. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.